Hi, and welcome back to the Still Loading podcast, a space dedicated to exploring leadership for the digital age. I'm your host, Ilona Brannan, and I am fascinated by the interplay between humans and technology, and I'm so excited to be here with you. If you are someone who leads an organization, team, project, or simply looking to develop yourself, then this is the podcast for you. Hey, it's Ilona here, and thank you so much for listening to the podcast. This week, I'll be chatting to Adam Ambrosi from Make Team Work, all about the work that he does, all to do with onboarding, leadership development, remote first working, and all that juicy stuff that we love here. And if you've been liking the podcast, please, can you like, subscribe, and share it with people that you think might love it, and spread the love. Thank you. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Still Loading podcast. I'm here with someone who I actually met through LinkedIn. We kind of connected on LinkedIn and had a chat, and we found out that we have very similar interests and really hit it off. And so I invited him onto the podcast to share a little bit more about what he and his organization do. So, Adam, if you could please introduce yourself and what you do. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Hello, Ilona. Thanks for having me here. Hello, our lovely listeners. My name is Adam Ambrosi. Uh, I'm a co-founder of Make Team Work, and we activate great culture. So we run culture change programs. We design leadership training. We also share our knowledge and experience with students um, uh, of academia. So in one sentence, we support teams whenever better collaboration is needed. We started in the beginning of um, 2020, just before COVID started. And since then, we've been uh, generating more and more traction. And currently, we expand the team a bit, starting from making our offerings stronger in German. So here I am. Thanks for having me, Yona. Oh, fantastic. (laughs) And so was it just a bit of luck that got you started just before the pandemic? Or was this almost a response? Oh, it was just a pure coincidence as um, I was a startup co-founder before in Berlin for two years, um, 2018 and 2019. And I exited my startup in the end of 2019, having this internal feeling that I want to uh, work less with digital products at the moment and more with teams, with real people, bringing change to how they collaborate, how they communicate and how they work together. And so because of the pandemic, you can't necessarily work with people face to face, right? So how did you then pivot what your thinking was around the business to help people? Yeah, last year, more or less April and May, it was just crazy for us because a lot of um, former clients uh, asked us to just uh, jump in and help them uh, switch to remote culture. So we would be uh, working practically non-stop with four organizations trying to make uh, the uh, life of their teams better after COVID, uh, COVID kicked off. So, I, yeah, as I said, it was very natural, nat- natural process for us. Um, so were we lucky? Well, it's like, you know, it's like I've been working remotely for more than uh, 10 years, remotely or, or hybrid, I guess, from the last 10 years. I spent only one year of my life in the office. Uh, so it was nothing, uh, nothing new. And it was just uh, like natural expansion of, uh, of our product to help organizations shift to, uh, to remote. How do you, you, you know, work with teams to start to bring in empathy and to build that, that team remotely? Oh, it usually starts with the uh, with the will. We usually start working with uh, organizations 
when they go through certain change, let it be um, winning new funding and, 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 and then CEO might feel need that this is a time to start uh, taking care of, of culture. Uh, it might be new product, new head of product joining the team. Quite often we experience that as uh, startups, as, uh, especially seed stage, or they really strive for results and the culture becomes more sales driven. So then when new head of product is coming to strengthen the team, usually they try to shift it to more product driven culture. So it, uh, so we would be joining exactly in this moment when they when they need change, when they feel that they need change, and there is already will. So so you know, first the first step uh, has been done, uh, and then it's about us joining teams, joining teams for uh, rituals, um, facilitating the meetings, facilitating retrospective. So in the beginning, we function a little bit like scrum masters, and throughout the process, we and then we built. Um, capabilities, internal capabilities of teams to uh, to facilitate their processes. Usually it takes um, eight to, to 16 weeks where, when we uh, train the trainers, make sure that uh, the teams uh, adapt uh, our approaches. And then, yeah, so, so basically it's very intense start where we'll be joining teams and work practically working a little bit like scrum masters or, or maybe agile coaches with, uh, with teams. Then we train the trainers and then we monitor the situation and coach the leadership. So it usually already starts with the will. If the team doesn't want the ch uh, to change, they will not. Yeah. So speak, yeah. Does the will come from mainly the leadership then who then impose the will onto the teams or is it kind of a, a joint effort? Well, I guess that it might be a joint effort. Um, in our case, um, yeah, majority of cases are, are product, uh, product leaders or CEOs coming um, and already having idea what they want to change in behaviors. And uh, yes, so usually, usually even if we speak a lot in the market about uh, bottom-up processes from my experience and organizations that I work with, and normally it's it's it, it the change is coming from the board or from the ceo or from head of product and the organizations that you normally work with what types of organizations are they uh, startup seed stage and cbsa um also also yeah, yeah so we work actually with three types of uh, of clients we we work uh with academia where we teach teamwork. We work with enterprises when we mostly develop leadership programs. Uh, we focus on young leaders, first time leaders here. And, uh, and the third part is our culture change programs for startups and here mostly end of the seed stage. So, so or beginning of the series A, this is the most common moment when startups think about culture. And why do you think it is at that moment they start to think about culture? Well, I guess that that you know, it's like it's funny because from the people perspective, it's very important to have your people strategy or org strategy from the from the beginning, from the moment when you are a small nuclear family, first team searching for a product market fit, and this is really the moment to develop how we communicate, develop the feedback skill, uh, develop, uh, develop capabilities to monitor psychological safety and ensure psychological safety in teams. So 
so this is the best moment but to start in this moment people need to have awareness and majority of people when they come and start their businesses they think about the business so the first so the first thing that bothers their mind is definitely not culture is product market fit when they have product market fit then they build traction to prove to investors that that they are the next unicorn right and then only when they get the next investment and already have a team of 50 60 people i feel that founders at least founders that 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 uh, i have met and worked with then they become a little bit more aware if they have here the ambition to build global business successful business they start quite often think also about soft skills about culture about processes uh, quite often this is the moment when they start seriously thinking of as the head of people as a strategic part of organization and so on and so forth so to wrap it up it, it's it usually happens too late uh, i mean too late from the from, i mean if it happened earlier it would it would be much more effective but the natural moment is only when you have like you as a founder you lived through product market feed you lived through the first traction you are sure that your product is going forward you get the investment so for the next i don't know 15 to 20 months you don't have to uh, uh, you you don't have to take care of money and this is the moment when you start to make your organization truly um, strong, not only from the sales perspective, but also from the culture perspective. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't happen. Uh, but I gladly I can say that more and more uh, leaders, startup leaders think about it right now. And it, yeah, it, and, and for me, it's quite, it's quite obvious when I look at the results uh, like time to task or even business results of startups that develop their culture they ge uh, generate much better results uh, than startups that do not develop culture they quite often exceed a great result that's really interesting I mean how are you tracking and measuring that at the moment like that would be yeah <laughs> Oh no, you have like like like, like uh, many opportunities because like like looking from people, you can measure engagement of people. And here, like Gallup did fantastic uh, work um, around engagement, and we all know that engagement is directly correlated with business results. So you can measure engagement. You can measure team dynamics. Here you can use either Tuchman model or Patrick Lencioni model uh, so you can measure this you can measure organizational support you can measure business result you can measure time to task the, like that the, the really of course it needs attention and of course if it's like measuring such things is not a part of the process right now uh, it will be quite difficult there will be like there will be the need to assign one strong leader to launch this project, you know, because like, like if you measure everything and if you are data driven, it's all obvious. But if you are not data driven, then it's very hard to become data driven. As, um, the first step is very, um, very difficult uh, in this process. So, Adam, the name of the podcast is still loading, and it's a podcast dedicated to leadership for the digital age. Now, you mentioned that you actually design leadership development programs for companies. So tell us a little bit more about how you do that. You mean how we design or how we execute or what's important about leaders? 
Well, I guess the biggest one is what's important at the moment for leaders. Uh, that's quite common that, especially because you mentioned it's first time leaders. And I know that's quite an important transition for a company to get right. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a very pivotal moment in a, in the career of, um, of many. So it has so much has been already said and done in this, uh, uh, in these topics. I'm not sure whether, how much value I can bring uh, here, but I will try. Um, I think that what we could do, we could look each morning at the mirror and just ask ourselves like three questions. Like the first would be, are we ensuring trust and psychological safety? So everybody in the team can easily share uh, difficult stuff, get support, and that we can learn all together fast. This would be like the first question that I would ask myself as a leader, just in front of the mirror every morning. The second would be, are we clear about objectives? Do I include team enough in strategic decisions? Do they feel ownership? Do they feel that they have clarity around roles, around how we make decisions, around these this soft elements of our culture? And the, the third would be, how might we speed up the learning and shift up mindset from you know, thinking less about output and more about outcomes. It's very important, especially, um, especially right now in hybrid, hybrid um, organization mode to think about outcomes, not outputs. Because you know, when I think about outputs, I think about um, products of, the, of, different, uh, of different tasks. I think about how much money we, uh, how much time we assign. So I think how much time we, dedicate to work and so on and so forth. When I think about outcomes, I think about how our activities are connected to realizing organizational objectives. So yeah, I think in, in hybrid, since we lost the control uh, over people, over teams, we need to make sure and even over communicate the objectives and then make sure that these objectives are um, understood, agreed, and acted upon by uh, by people. So it's not about us controlling what they do, it's about us controlling whether we as organization all together go to the right direction fast enough. So, you know, this is like, a, it's, it's, it's a huge mental shift. And I see that it's very hard for many people to, to not to think about hours, not to think about tasks, not to think about their calendars, but focus on objectives and focus on how individual objectives deliver to the to the common objective to the organizational objective and i guess that this is important to point out when you develop new leaders so the so they always have in mind psychological safety they know how to uh, give receive feedback they know how to scale feedback if somebody new comes to the team they know how to run retrospective, they know how to facilitate, they make sure that everybody has fair share of voice. And yeah, and 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 these are the, the, the elements. So basically when you think about, about new leaders, um, they need to understand a few um, a few things from from the science and from what academia uh, says about team development. And they also need to get practical skills in order to act fast.
and in order to have confidence. So this confidence here is very important. So programs for leaders would be, for instance, like a series of meetings of two hour meetings per week, series of five meetings, five different topics um, uh, every week. And this all supported with uh, exercises that leaders can do in their teams. And this all still supported by individual coaching, like half an hour to an hour a week to see the progress. No, I think, I think that's really insightful. And I guess my sort of thinking, well, I've got two questions. I'll start with the first one about remote leadership, right? Because this is this is the theme of the podcast. But what are the specific challenges that that's thrown up and how have you been helping um, your clients solve that? Yeah, so so of course there are, there are quite uh, many and the most common are uh, decreasing engagement, so uh, working in silo, uh, communication challenges, uh, lack of strategic alignment, and also loneliness and burnout. And it's uh, very interesting because after COVID started, we, uh, we've observed that teams that went remote became temporarily more efficient and effective. And, you know, teams used their freedom back then, um, the sudden cut from the office quite well, because uh, for, for some time the situation was quite good. Uh, but what looks good in Excel doesn't necessarily work well in life. So soon burnout um, became a problem. So, you know, there are many challenges around, um, around uh, remote organization. And of course, we uh, design for them at Make Team Work. We design, uh, we innovate team processes. Uh, for instance, yeah, it's like we would be joining to facilitate um, all the team uh, meetings and also proposing and launching new meetings. Uh, right now, quite hot uh, in our, uh, within our client base uh, are Chilcos. So Chilcos are meetings for teams to just chill out together, meet uh, every week uh, for, for an hour to do discuss, to watch some movies, to watch some video clips, to, to share inspirations, to talk about books, to listen to music. It, it, it really depends. But, you know, these, these meetings are very important for, for this connection. I mentioned engagement as one of the topics on, of one of the challenges of remote teams. And um, according to the research of Dan Cable from London Business School, there is a huge difference between leaders who decided to adopt to remote and the leaders who decided to wait until we all get back to the office and then we can organize well again. So if leaders consciously chose to adapt their teams or adopt their teams to, to uh, remote, these teams are much more engaged than the teams uh, where leaders only wait to get back to the office. So, uh, so I guess changing mindset of leaders, how they approach their teams and how they approach organization, how they uh, approach team leadership is uh, crucial right now for, for us all to work better. No, I think that's really, really interesting. And thank you for sharing that study. Um, my second question that I had was around gender, because when, you know, as a woman, I've, I've grown up with women in leadership programs. And um, I, I suppose my question is, is there, is it this remote leadership? Is it sort of gender agnostic? Are there things that women need more support with or men need more support with? How does it work from that perspective? 
Well, it's a, it's a very good question. Thanks for it. And I think I will get back to you with the answer because I don't know the answer <laughs> from... <laughs> no, because I was just interested for myself because a lot of the time, you know, I used to work in, in um, a big up company and they, so they had a women in leadership program. And I am starting to come to the conclusion that, yes, there's a, there's a, a, a couple of things that probably women need to, not support with or per se, but just to maybe understand a few more nuances about the world of work because it's predominantly like a male dominated arena in some sectors, not all sectors. So it's just understanding those nuances. But I don't think going forward that a separate gender stream is gonna be beneficial. I feel like we need to be working together and, and men need to understand the challenges women face and women also need to understand what men understand, right? So that's kind of what, what I was thinking about because I wonder if remote working just makes it agnostic anyway. This is, yeah, this is very, very, very interesting. Uh, in, the, in the office, we, right? It was all about presenteeism and going down the pub, like if you're in the UK, right? That's how you do business. But if you're remote working and those sort of levers are not there, and it is, as you say, ultimately about communicating more, which traditionally <laughs> women do better. Just, you know, I'm just thinking it through like, okay, well, how does that factor out? Yeah, you know, the, the, like, like I see so many layers and so many topics are almost philosophical or ideological here because it's like, you know, we think about men and women through the lens of our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. And this is quite tricky, in, uh, in my opinion, because we, we find polarization in a place that I'm not sure whether, whether I feel polarization exists, really. Because I, w what I mean is that, is that the only way how we say about somebody that is female, male, in the sense is body right mm -hmm. and 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 i'm not sure i feel i feel i think uh, in many situations in my life more how i imagine uh, uh, feminine feminine feeling i would say that maybe i am i am feminine somewhere somewhere deep but what i mean here is like if you think about polarization if we think only only about about sex here it's a little bit what uh, it reminds me of a story that I think David Attenborough once shared about ants. So if you call you know the story, maybe? Or do we have some space? No, uh, I mean, I know, I, I know. No, no, so, no, absolutely. I mean, he's, he's basically the, nas the national hero of the UK, so please go ahead. Yeah, so, so I, as I recall properly, he was said, like, if you collect 100 black ants and 100 fire ants, mm -hmm and put them all together in a glass jar, nothing will happen. And then if you take this jar, shake it violently and leave it on the table, the ants will start killing each other, will start treating each other as enemies. So red will believe that black is the enemy and black will believe that, that the red is enemy while the real enemy is the person who shook the jar. And if we use that analogy, then it's the leadership development program designers who are making it in leadership <laughs> and the leadership program. <laughs> yes, 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 it's very true. It's very true. Because <laughs> honestly, if you look at the business schools, there will be a women in leadership or women in business offering. So, you know, by going with that analogy, they're just shaking the jar. They're just making it more separate. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
and and I think that this is this is very true because you know it's like and I guess it would be useful also to look at statistics what statistics say after after COVID started about women in the leadership positions is the trend stronger than it used to be before I don't know about whether there's more women in leadership, but I know that there's been a lot of studies about the fact that women have left the workforce because of the being the predominant uh, caregiver, they couldn't do the work and be the primary caregiver. So a lot of women have exited the workforce, which means that if then we follow that logical conclusion, there will be fewer ladies who are able to be leaders if they've had a segment of time away from the office, even if it's remote. Yeah, that's the that's the that's also one of the facts that it's hard to discuss with when it comes to thinking about male versus female, right, or men versus women, or however you want to you want to put it. Because it's just because of the body there is natural predisposition to give birth, and because of giving birth there is a natural need to give some care, and with this care, and you know, and and this is quite unpredictable. So in a natural linear uh, value production process from the past I think it was quite natural that because women could I mean the holders of female body could that could assign less time to work or less time to predictable linear career because there were some breaks in the middle but is the is the linear career model still valid I don't think so. I don't think so. So I'm really interested how, how I mean, what we will see in data right now and in two years, for instance. I know I, I don't think it's valid. Don't, don't get me wrong. No, it's, no, no. It was it, more it's just, totally... it's, I, I agree with you. I think, especially because we're both really interested in startups, right? And startups aren't about linear growth. They're about exponential growth. And also they can happen in a moment in time. You know, looking at the Euros uh, this, you know, over the past month, it was sponsored by TikTok. The last Euros, we didn't even know what TikTok was. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, who else is going to sponsor the next, uh, you know, sporting event? We don't really know. Yeah, who's going to be next? And this is super interesting. Yeah, thanks for for uh, bringing this topic, and I will I will try to get back to you with some more data on uh, on this. You know, it's like. Is it agnostic? Is it sex agnostic or is it not? I think something that I think is useful um, for me is a lot of the things that I've seen about women getting into leadership positions. Um, one of the things is to have an advocate, so to have a champion who's like a, a male sponsor in the organisation. So that's one, an ally. But the other one is, is what you mentioned earlier about outcomes. So if it's outcome driven, your performance is outcome driven rather than presenteeism or output or hours, you know, seen in the office or seen online, then women tend to perform quite well, often better because the work will be to a, a really good standard and it's just based on the performance of the work. Yeah, it, it, it's, it also somehow like motivates me to ask the question how well do we know each other you know or is like and, and how did it happen that we allowed this polarization men women it's like a male female you know this polarization is yeah i understand and i also see it uh, in many markets in many cultures maybe so some cultures are uh, more masculine than others um, i would say 
And patri I think more patriarchal, right? Patriarchal. If it's more patriarchal as a society, then I think you have more polarization. Yeah, 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 precisely. And, and, and of course, every culture brings counterculture and strengthens counterculture. So I guess that, that that's the situation. But the question, in the end, the, it's very sad for me because in the end, we don't, it, it seems that we, looking for these lessons, we don't look at each other as human beings. We look mm -hmm. at each other as kind of, I don't know, functionalities of, a, of you, know, you know, I mean, it, it's very, <laughs> kind of no, a I, robotic I, driven no? it's like mm. no I, I know i know and i think ultimately it's all it's not really male female what it is is it's the average successful usually man just because that's been the historical narrative and then everyone's compared to that imaginary like successful average because it's like the alpha sort of traits assertive decisive etc but actually, you know, leadership styles can flex. You don't have to have those particular traits. I think you'd need to be able to make decisions, but you can also be introverted, reflective, um, collaborative. I don't think it's just reduced to those two things. And I think it's quite, quite often misnomer in, in leadership that when coaches say, okay, you probably have your natural leadership style and you should stick to it and build on your strength. I think it's a, it's a great misnomer. It's like when I look at what's in, uh, in science about it, especially in Tuchman uh, slash Whelan, Susan Whelan model, I see that actually what they championed there is different approach and different leadership style depending on the, on the stage of development of a team. So in the beginning, when people are before the conflict, before going through the conflict, the leader needs to be directive, then still needs to be directive while taking people through the conflict, but like building still, building the inclusion, building the ownership here. And then after the conflict, when people are not afraid of conflict, then only then the leader can step, step back a little bit, be more coaching or, or consultative. And yeah, so, so you're, you should be observing the group one should be observing the group and then decide what the group needs at the moment. Mm. So it's not that you have one leadership style. And it's funny because I coach quite many leaders who are complaining, oh, Adam, I have this coaching style. I want to include my team, but my team doesn't want it this way and so on. I don't feel it's organization for me. And, you know, this is a belief that you have your one leadership style and you need to stick to it. And you need to find an organization that will allow you to shine with your leadership style. And no, it's wrong. You should be adapting your leadership style and developing your team. In the beginning, you need to be directive. You need to take the team through the conflict and then you can step, step back, you know? And this is very, very interesting process because the most common belief that I encountered in the market so far among leaders is that there is one leadership style and discussion. Is it better? Is it worse? Which one would you recommend? Is it like a, I don't know, culturally sensitive? How should I behave? Is it like, you know, maybe industry also sensitive? I don't, yeah. I and Because yeah. I don't think enough has been done to explore the fact that probably leadership is as unique as a fingerprint, but also it will be situational, contextual, it will be responsive to your team as you say you know if you're going through this process so there's like probably four or five dynamics that you as a leader will have to flex i mean like no leader would have started the pandemic and ended the pandemic exactly the same and if they did 
wow I don't know how they did it because <laughs> it was a totally like 180 shift in whatever you were doing um and also isn't it that as people we evolve and change right so even just the context of my leadership from 10 years ago to now will be different because I'm a different person no, definitely, definitely. Our experiences build us, our mentors build us, our observations build us, change of context build us. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Great point. Maybe it goes back to your example earlier about just looking in the mirror and it's actually a daily exercise and it's a daily reflection and it's a daily flex. You know, there's no one, I'm going to follow this pattern for all the days. It's more, I'm going to flex and be adaptable. Precisely, precisely. I will be observing, I will be open, I will be listening to people, I will be designing uh, for, uh, for people, I will be addressing bottlenecks in the work, and I will, we will be all together reflecting and, and, and seeing each and every week or, I don't know, every fortnight, what we can really improve together so we all live and work together better. And, and I think as soon as we, as we become this human-centered, which needs also like a little bit of vulnerability, showing vulnerability, right? And this is also another challenge for many leaders, especially in masculine countries, how to show vulnerabilities because, you know, men, sorry, men, men do not cry, right? You, well, you do, but yeah, it's not allowed. But it's kind of like a... Yeah. And, and, and this is another example of a glass, of shaking the glass, no? Because like, like crying, if you, yeah, crying is the best way to release emotions. And regardless, you are men or women, you have the emotions and, and, you, and you just stock the emotions inside of you. And crying is the, way, the best way to just, you know, get back to walking from being stuck. And, and yeah, the fact that we are not learning this at school, that our culture tells us totally something totally different that in the end blocks us, that in the end doesn't help us progress, right? And mm. this is interesting. Who is shaking the glass here? <laughs> going another philosophical bit. <laughs> I wanted to bring it to you now and ask, so what's one thing in your leadership sort of journey that's helped you to become a better leader? In my le leadership journey it's like yeah there were so many so many things I, I think I've been very lucky to have met so many fascinating people um, on my way so if I if I am to choose one person I would choose probably meeting I mean or, or one situation one thing in my leadership journey I guess it would be meeting my mentor Mm -hmm. um, back then, I was working still in in marketing. I was it was two thousand and eight. I will uh, I was in Poland, and then I met this international global strategist from the from the global Champions League. And then I thought, yeah, ethnography. This is what I want to do. I want to spend time with people, understand them, and then also like design solutions to help them. Uh, live better and um, so meeting my mentor and he helped me understand the importance of standards and agreeing the standards mm -hmm. what I mean here because quite often especially when discussing outcomes of a project the final results and we are in a fresh team we all have different standards of execution in mind we all have like different product final product in mind and we also have like the like different picture how we want to get there how we want to 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 execute and i think that agreeing the standards is extremely important 
both on the what, what do we want to produce and how do we want to produce it? Because it's, uh, it's crucial for the success to develop a shared mindset on how people and things imagine this final result. I get that if you want to be really good at something, you need to understand standards and what are the best standards, what are the best practices right now in the world and how I can share and how I can agree with the team. So in my in my life, in my leadership journey, understanding the value of standards and agreeing standards and developing right standards for team was uh, crucial. No, that, that's a really great example. And I think as well, from my experience, if you can get that collective language and knowledge and understanding in the team, you actually get there much quicker. But I think the challenge is it does take a bit of investment up front for you to communicate that, to actually get that shared collective mindset on the target. Um, when, I, when I've had this before, it was in teaching. So they, they called it collective impact and then in sales. So very different things, but similar in the sense that you're still communicating to, to help someone get your idea, but it's, it's having that real focus. So again, going back to that clear outcome thing, but then taking the time to explain, well, what does that mean to you? Yes, precisely. How, how would you like to proceed? How would you like to execute? How, how do you see your role? What are your expectations uh, towards the team? And what do you need? You know? and, and, and this, because this, you know, in the, in the beginning, you try to build cohesive team and build the clarity around objectives. And then you really need to over communicate it to everybody, as you said, like, like as you suggest, this, this is the crucial moment. You need to over communicate it, really. You need to become boring while, while, while. <laughs> <laughs> this should be the final KPI. Ask people, what? <laughs> Do you consider myself boring this week? If you say yes, this is the job well done. And then you need. <laughs> And then you need to reinforce this. So you reinforce it through rituals, you reinforce it through new, new ways of organization, uh, of creating you know, cross-collaborative co teams, uh, cross-functional teams that, that tackle challenges and aim for outcomes, not outputs, you know, and, 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 and you start jiggling and, and, and you bring this, and it's like a loop. I think Lencioni, Lencioni nailed it in the advantage framework. He, he suggested like four steps for healthy organizations. And these are, all the, yeah, we are, we are tapping here on Patrick Lencioni's um, work. Yeah, and, and I guess this is, this is super important. And, 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 I guess that, that leaders need to understand that the right mindset here is it's a never ending job. It will be the loop right now. It's like, yeah, it's not that we can plan, we can launch culture change and then we can leave everything and just say, yeah, that it's not a task, it's a process and it's never ending process. Yeah. And yeah, it's always, there will be always something, something, something that we can design for people, you know, for how they organize for their better performance, for the better project organization and also better common. So what I mean is that, yeah, I think it's not a static thing. Your leaders are not good leaders or bad leaders, but it's a process. And sometimes the team will be more high performance, sometimes less high performance. We just need to observe, open, and drive the team, help the, help the team drive towards high performance all the time. So in the end, it's like, I think it might sound quite difficult, but in the end, there are like quite very few things that we need to remember and adapt. 
well, I guess that, I guess we'll come to the to the end of this. Even though it's been fantastic, it always is when we have a chat. It's, I think the best bit that I've got so far is just make it really boring. <laughs> I do think it's yeah. a brilliant because I agree with you because it just reminds me of like when I was teaching and the kids would be like, "All right, Miss, I get it," and you kind of need to get to that point where I was like, "I get it, stop talking about it." Um, and my really good like boss of mine in the past, he did that. He repeated every single week, this is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. And, you know, the teenager in you is like, oh, whatever. But it goes in because it then goes into your long term memory and you actually start to drive and, and adjust your behavior. Accordingly. Yeah, it, it becomes a standard. No? Oh, yeah, that's it. Right. It, so yeah. what is one one tip for leaders anyone who's listening now what's one thing that they could do right now to make a difference to their team uh, yeah i guess engage teams in all the strategic decisions because the goal is to build team of teams able to successfully manage them, like all the complicated missions in the digital world so i guess that always be inclusive yeah if, if you are not being inclusive it will, it will show up because I guess that lack of communication is there. And I, I wondered as well, my question is, what made you call your company Make Team Work? What sort of, how did that come about? I guess it's uh, it lies at the core of, of what we do. We, we, we usually start working with uh, teams when they are in a quite difficult situation, facing a lot of challenges. And then what we try to do, we try to design on one hand for the engagement and for the for time to task so we are somehow connect you know connect this make team work so just tell them to do something and make team work to improve it really you know and it's funny because it's all wrapped up in this design thinking approach and in, which is very inclusive and we don't really act as consultants so we don't come with answers we come with tools for the team to get the answers and how can people get in touch with you to learn more? Oh, uh, LinkedIn, our website, maketeamwork.com. Uh, also, whenever you are in Amsterdam, we will, I'd be more than happy to just walk and talk and chat about culture and teamwork. So, yes. Along, yeah, along, along the canal. Along the canals, yeah. And I'll put the links in the blurb below. So if you are looking to connect with Adam and his team and to make teamwork, then please just click below. It will be there waiting for you. Or just type... Make team work, Adam, and you'll probably get him at the top of the search. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for um, our chat this morning. Uh, we both were drinking coffee um, and waking up as we did this. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. I'm feeling super energized and ready for the day. So thank you so much, Adam, for joining me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support this podcast, please share it with others. Share it with your friends, your family, your colleagues, anyone you think who might benefit from listening. Post about it on social media as well or leave a rating and review and please subscribe to catch all the latest updates and episodes. You can also find us on Instagram at Still Loading Podcast. Thanks and I'll see you next time. Bye.